So two years ago, I drive into Balmoral Beach in Sydney. I'd driven up from Melbourne, and while I was up here, I had an appointment to catch up with Vic and Sarah from Anatomy in Motion. So at the time, Vic and Sarah were running AIM, which is one-on-one and group and small group strength and movement classes out of Balmoral Beach. And I had never met either of them face-to-face, so I kind of didn't really know what to expect or what to really look for, how to recognize them. And I also hadn't really spent a lot of time in Balmoral Beach. So I'm driving into the car park looking for the place to park, that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, I see these tennis balls flying everywhere and this wooden dowel spinning, a bit of fluoro moving around. And I get closer, I'm like, that fluoro, that's the fluoro hat. And then I see this guy with no shirt on, fluoro cap, throwing these tennis balls, literally bouncing like a ball of energy on this grassy little knoll. And I'm like, that's my man, that's Vic. So anyway, I park up and I meet Vic and Sarah. We hang out, we do some movement, we catch up. I was really only there for an hour and then we parted ways. But luckily, we had this really great connection. And since then, I've been super fortunate to be able to work alongside both of them, spend some time with them on retreats, uh, get to know Vic uh, in particular more closely this year, working alongside him and really get some deeper insights in terms of how they run their show and how they're putting things together and why what they're doing is so powerful. So... Really pumped to get to sit down with Vic and get this first deep dive conversation locked in. We talk about creating leaders, how this is a strategy you can employ in your business or project, how it can help you grow your business and be more powerful. We talk about growth as an individual. We talk about uh, culture. We talk about a bias for action and how at the end of the, the day, this is really the number one thing that you need to focus on and a whole bunch more as well. I hope you enjoy it. This is episode 45 of the Access Potential podcast. We're going to get stuck straight in. This is John Marsh, and I'm sitting here today with Vic Hawksley from Anatomy in Motion. On that note, let's go from story and for a lot of people they have found you on say social media or through through what you're doing now when i met you you were training people outdoors i remember you put up a blog post and the blog post was uh, i think it was titled why movement and it had that picture of you i think you're doing a qdr or something on the floor little hand balance or something and I was like who's this dude like what's he about like you know because how like I'm over in Melbourne I'm like who's this guy right um but a lot of people know you I think from the current context of social that's how we meet a lot of people which is pretty wild and cool take us back to um take us back to you know a little bit of your past what led up to I guess the opening of the space Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you came to Australia, a little bit of the back story, a little bit of the context. Cool. So I guess it's probably nearly 10 years ago now that uh, I met Sarah, my partner now, and uh, this is when back in London. And I met her just before I had rolled into the 
school to study PT basically and that's when I kind of uh, it was uh, yeah 10 years ago then and what country London so we met and um, you know normal things happen what not kind of thing I enrolled I moved to London um, had my own place I think I was studying for three four months or whatever it was and I was super lucky to be enrolled into a private studio and you know this is like uh, a friend's friend who owned this studio is a Kiwi and you know I was like hey man like you know I'm just I'm finishing up you know if you have anything it's like oh perfect someone's leaving it'll be you know you'll be perfect kind of stuff um, so that was I guess my introduction to like the private studio kind of time you know like basically work out of PT school um, and I was probably there for four or five years uh, and so you were 20 like when that started so yeah so literally kind of just turning 20 basically yeah and um, yeah and around about probably 25 26 you know when me and Sarah got serious you know basically we're like okay cool Sarah wants to move back to Australia you know and obviously um, I was born and raised in Kathmandu in Nepal until uh, the age of 10 and my parents have always lived in Dubai for the last 25 plus years so I was uprooted from Nepal at the age of 10 to UK to go to boarding school um, so I was used to kind of moving around and changing scene basically so when this idea was proposed you know kind of hey let's move to Australia to start a family and all this kind of stuff um, I was like yeah that's cool I can see myself you know doing this in Australia but I didn't know you know where or we didn't know where to settle down because she's from Newcastle um, all this kind of stuff and anyway, at the 25, I left this particular job where I walked out because I wasn't happy. And um, this meant having to start my own thing. And, you know, I remember that Saturday when I walked out from the job, um, I was all like, cool, I'm excited. But then come that Monday, I was like, shit. Something I've been doing for the last five odd years, I don't have anything to go to kind of stuff. So that, that first day or two was like frantic. It was like, I don't know what's happening in my life and what not kind of stuff. But having that time and space allowed me to then kind of like give my shit organized essentially. So, you know, kind of reaching clients, all this kind of stuff. I found a local gym that I could go and train out of. Like, so within that first week, um, basically how I keep working, I, I sorted that out essentially. So just quickly, you left and then within a week you had, you had not your stuff figured out, but like you had the next steps. You, yeah. Yeah. You moved quickly. Yeah. So basically kind of, you know, I had, you know, naturally kind of a couple of clients to reach out like, Hey, what's going on? You went, you know, there today, that sort of stuff. And I was like, look, I can't speak to you. Basically I've left, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and, um, uh, that, that first week of being out of job, essentially, you know, I was like, okay, well, where can I go work? What's open to me and what kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's say if I was, uh, if I'd work normally eight hours a day, you know, I had eight hours free that, you know, that particular day, I was not training people. So what that meant was like, you know, I made a point to go out and see, hey, what are the studios or gyms are around me? Um, you know, what do I need to have in place and that sort of stuff? Um, so that first week, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, scary and exciting at the same time but by that second week I had like you know I think three or four clients and you know I was like okay back to normal and I started to kind of you know put my stuff out there I guess when I said put my stuff out there be seen doing what I do and things like that um, and I remember this new client that I got 
she was, you know, a normal person in this gym and she just approached, you know, and she was like, hey, I've seen you do cool stuff, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I run a lot, I roll a lot, you know, kind of, um, and, you know, all the normal stuff you get, uh, you know, my core, all this kind of stuff, right? Anyway, within that couple of months of training her, she was like, I've got a sister coming from Australia. Uh, you know, do you mind, you know, training both of us? And I was like, of course, yeah, that's cool, you know. And basically, up to this point, I'd never heard of Instagram. So it was through this client's sister who had come on a holiday from Sydney. Uh, she was the one who introduced me to this thing called Instagram. And she was like, it's just basically pictures, everybody's doing it. You know, this is 2014, no, 2015 probably. 2014, 2014, end of 2014. Um, you know, and it's like, it's because she owned a business out here. I think she was a beautician or something like that. And you know, she was like, you know, we use it. It's like the next big thing or whatever. All the cool kids are doing it. Um, you know, and if you want to start something, this is, you know, like, and at the time I was like, I don't know what this is. You know, this is like, um, deep, in, deep inside party, you must have just been frothing. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like, because even Facebook at the time, right? You know, I was huge into Facebook, but like putting stuff out there, it's like, you know, like, especially work related. Yeah. You just don't do it. Yeah. You know, it was more of like a, a social thing, right? Yeah. With your friends and peers and that sort of thing, but never really work-related. So I didn't really understand it. Um, so anyway, I jump on this thing called Instagram, you know, and then um, this is probably about six, seven months prior to leaving London. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm doing weightlifting at the time. I'm, you know, going to the parks, do calisthenic type of work, and I'm coaching clients and all this thing. And... Um, and I think that was the first time I was, you know, starting to kind of see how bendy I was, essentially. I just found yoga, I think. So I had, like, so many different modalities that I was kind of, you know, dabbling in, essentially. So I was like, oh, it's cool. I was, you know, just, you know, recording, like, weightlifting, you know, like, all the guys were like, hey, cool, you're not pulling right. You know, here's, you know, like, give me your camera, I'll shoot it. So I had these recordings anyway, right? Or, you know, I used to belong to Serpentine Swim Club, um, which is like this this dirty pond in the middle of Hyde Park in yeah. London, right? And it's yeah. like in winter, people swim for 20 yards and talk about it for the next hour kind of thing, right? Um, and they're just swimming in the dickies. It's just cold water swimming, basically. So I had, you know, I belonged to that and um, all this kind of stuff. And so I had these, like, clips from different things and I was like, oh, maybe I'll start putting it out there. You know, so it was like, you know, weightlifting. I'd be, you know, I don't know, 70 kilos snatch PB and, you know, it was PB not from a strength perspective, it was just technique that was refined, you know, mm-hmm. in a very short space of time. I think I've always been strong, but I just didn't know how to do it, basically. So being guided and showing that journey, sharing that journey, that was pretty cool. And then calisthenic with the handstands and stuff, really terrible handstands, you know, banana back, all that kind of stuff, but not even rings. It was TRX back in the day, yeah. you know, like being able to like do all these fancy things with TRX and stuff. Cool. Like, hey, no one's doing it. I'll put this on Instagram and things like that. Um, so I think that's probably like the, the six months prior to kind of leaving London was probably when I started to kind of put myself out there in the Instagram world, basically. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like the start, you know, it's only your friends and families that are kind of, you know, kind of... Um, yeah. Hi, mom. Yes, you know, like, mom's giving a shout out, whatever, or yeah. friends are reaching out and like, fuck, like, I didn't know you could do that. That's pretty awesome, whatever, you know, and it kind of, you know, it almost gives you that little, that boost, you know, you're like, oh, shit, actually... I thought people would like this, but I'm going to keep adding things to it, I guess. Um, and that's how I basically started. And, like, you know, it was, like, what I was eating at the time as well. So it was, like, really, like, you know, what I was embodying, essentially, mm-hmm. back in the day. You know, then we made a move here, um, and I just continued that trend, essentially. Talk about when you – because I think this is something that came up in the 
conversation with Jono when he walked into the gym and he basically knows no one and he graduated and he's like in two weeks he was full like he just connected and he talked about it already when he left that one job but now we're talking about a, a bigger upheaval it's like okay a new country and um, give us a little quick context on how because you're basically starting again mm -hmm. like i don't think people like yeah you got some stuff on social media but it would have been small back then at that time correct no reputation here in sydney nothing like what did you do how long did that take because then i met you training people outdoors right mm -hmm. so how did that little space look when you landed fresh and green uh you know in sydney uh, so full transparency, I think coming to Sydney, uh, I had two clients that were referred to me, uh, all of them from London, so yeah. I was really, really lucky, um, you know, but I still had to kind of meet them and, you know, kind of just, the, it was the same approach that we have right now, you know, we sit down with them to connect and whatnot kind of thing to find out who they were and what they were looking for and whether I could actually give them what they wanted you know, and it was in line with what I wanted to do. So that was cool in terms of like, you know, work coming in, let's say, right, those two clients. Uh, but everything apart from that. In terms of putting myself out there, it just meant I had all this time that I wasn't training people. So basically not working in the business, which meant I had all this other time that I could work on the business. Mm -hmm. And as far as I saw it, my name is my business. You know, I am a business and it's a responsibility for me to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. And that happens through obviously putting the work in, right? So first of all, you know, I, I like to dabble in different modalities. I'm still working on those things. So it's an opportunity for me to showcase as well as track, you know, um, what I was doing at the time. And I guess, you know, in all honesty, it was just a way uh, for me to keep putting myself out there, to be seen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I first got here, if I wasn't working, let's say I had a, uh, you know, I'd be out in the parks, you know, doing what I loved doing, refining what I was, you know, uh, refining what I loved doing. I'd be in, let's say, in gym, you know, kind of uh, doing the same thing. So, you know, kind of obviously outdoors, there's no weights and whatnot kind of thing. So I'd be in spaces um, and... And you're growing, you're growing. So this is, say, the online stuff, but you're growing the actual business, the people you're training into groups, that sort of thing, through this? Or is uh, this like, no, you're more just like, hey, talking to people, like referrals? Yeah. So it was just talking. So yeah. like, you know, um, the business was still full solo. It was always one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. So uh, again, just to clarify, for you know, the 10 years I've been in the business, probably nearly eight, eight years have been all one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. It's only in the last, um, uh, what? Um, 20 months or so that we've gone to this particular model, uh, which is still personalized. Um, everything we do within AIM right now is personalized. Mm. Uh, it's a different story, but um, yeah, so up to this point, it was all one-on-one. -on -one, so it was all kind of like with the other person in mind. Um, so, you know, everything I was putting out there was you know, in line with what I believed in. Um, it was also showcasing the handful of people that I had, mm -hmm. you know, their progress essentially. So one thing that I noticed, um, which I wasn't uh, aware of when I, when I first got here, um, was how much being healthy and fit means in Australia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I came from London where it's dark and gray. People were miserable, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Kind of, and everything I did was indoors. 
from here in the middle of summer, <laughs> you know, like it's bright and everybody's just, you know, um, six day. o'clock yeah, yeah. in the morning. Like Balmoral Beach here in Sydney, it's like just there are people running around, walking their dogs and just alive. Mm. Um, so that was a huge comforting thing. I remember in the first couple of weeks. Um, the reason being when I first got here, or even before I arrived here, you know, I was, uh, I almost fallen naked because I didn't have a space to work out of. And everything that I knew, you know, was like, cool, you know, lift, squat rack, mm-hmm. bars, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I realized, hang on, actually, I don't need the, the comfort of full wall. I can do these things, you know, kind of, I can make do, mm-hmm. you know, kind of. Um, so that's how that process started, I guess. And then once I started to kind of, you know, build more connections and, and get more clients on, what I saw was like, actually, I don't need the four walls right now whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. these people needed something completely different mm-hmm. to what they thought they wanted. And, the, and we talk about this needs and wants being very different things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone would come to me and be like, hey, uh, I want to get stronger, you know, like, let's say, um, and, you know, people will go, all right, let's, let's squat and deadlift, you know, but it's actually, you don't even know what your right hip is like to your you know, left hip kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Let's address that first. Let's bring more awareness to the body. Um, and that could be done outside the four walls. I didn't need four walls to do that. Just quickly on that, do you think not having four walls actually upskilled you to Correct. see that? 100%. Yeah. 100%. For a number like of a reasons. A beautiful constraint, right? Yeah. yeah. For a number of reasons. Okay. Uh, number one, you get to deal with problems like head on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. uh, you don't have that comfort. You know what I mean? Also, you get the to mind, learn. You get to also uh, learn how to. Um, really deconstruct things, you know, how to regress things, as well as then how to progress things. Um, You know, and and I'm talking about uh, teaching somebody or sharing with somebody uh, how they can be more aware of their body through space. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not about how hard they can go. You know, it's actually the other way. It's how soft can they be. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, And for that to happen, it was a, there needs to be a, a shift in mindset, essentially, you know, you need to be more present, mm. you know. Um, so, again, we were doing traditional things, if you like, doing the traditional movements or strength training, but in slight unconventional ways, essentially. And then conventional being, you know, um, not trying to add intensity and trying to spice things just for the sake of it. Mm. Um, the big thing here is, I guess, kind of um, trying to embrace, you know, how somebody takes information on. That happens by actually understanding who they are. You know, what is it that makes them tick? What is their want? But more importantly, what is their need? And how are we going to support that, basically? Mm. So that's what kind of being outdoors kind of really taught me. You know, how can we level people up? Yeah. Bring a certain level of um, quality and I guess like raise the standards and the things we do yeah. by doing simple things ridiculously well. Yeah, I love the contrast already where, you know, typically, and I'm not generalizing, trying not to generalize too much here, but typically in Australia by the beach, if you're an outdoor trainer, you've got some cones set up and you've got the shuttles going and that's cool, right? Like that provides that space. That's the who's it for, the what's it for. Some high intensity stuff, some air squat, some boxing. 
And I know there's different stuff, but that's a that's that's pretty pretty popular. And here you're already talking about quality, and you're talking about things which people may pay lip service to a lot, but you're already thinking about it differently. My question off of that is, uh, there's a book by a dude, Austin Kleon, it's called Steal Like an Artist. And he talks about thinking about your heroes and stealing this shit and blending and thinking about it and putting your own spin on it. And I know you've done a lot of different stuff, learned from a lot of different people. At this stage, you're taking people outdoor for sessions, one-on-one still? Yeah. Okay, one-on-one. Are you already stealing? Are you already learning from, you know, Edo, FRC, like Fighting Monkey? Are you already going, whoa, like this stuff's on Insta or this stuff's happening around me? I'm going to get as much as I can here? Kind of. So... I, I always have like yearly learning projects, you know, so kind of coming on the back of here, having done things like FRC, attending the EDO's workshops and all this kind of stuff, like teachers, systems, all this. I was always blending things in. Mm. You have to. And this is the part of the, the wants and needs. Mm. If somebody wants to be jacked, but then they can't actually be in a certain position to apply that perfect technique, it's irrelevant. Does that make sense? You oh, know, yeah. kind of then, you know, teaching somebody to show the importance of this but then getting to adhere to it, especially in a one-on-one environment, that's okay if that's happening once or twice a week, but then what happens to the rest of the time? So it was about really trying to, you know, trying to teach and share things in a way that they can embody, they can take ownership off. Does that make sense? And for that to happen, we needed to use different modalities, you know, different teachings, different systems, different methods, essentially. Um, so I was always kind of um, trying to see the best ways, you know, kind of how we can get this person on board to do things that they need to be doing in order to go where they want to be going. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, that means kind of, okay, we need to dabble in here. Then we need to bring things from there. And we need to add stuff from there. So it was always a little bit of like a blend. And, you know, our whole method is designed around educating an individual. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, based on um, just following certain protocols and whatnot. It comes with understanding that what the person in front of needs and wants, mm-hmm. then going, okay, cool. How do we educate that one person? How does that person take the information on? Is this too much? Is this too little? Mm-hmm. Is this too hard? Is it too easy? What's the dosage of the work they're going to do? So all this gets blended in, into what we give. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, using, let's say, Edo as an example, some movement work. For people who've never done movement before, it's too much. Mm. You know, people think, you know, movement is like primal movements and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that could break people more often than make people. Mm. It may look cool, yeah. <laughs> but that's not what people need to be doing. Yeah. Versus, you know, this FRC stuff, you know, like we love it. But at the principle, we apply the principle to certain things but we don't base the whole teachings around it. Because mm. again, it's super, if you do it right, it's super draining. Mm. You know, and again, rather than doing an hour, the intensity that the hour brings by just doing one thing, hey, how about we just build a little bit of consistency behind it? Mm-hmm. How about we do a little bit less, but more often? Mm-hmm. How about we make these things a little bit non-negotiable mm-hmm. and look after the longevity side of things? 
So we start to kind of, you know, make these, um, uh, or work these things in a way that then helps us to kind of, I guess, prepare for the session ahead, yeah. you know, but also really build people towards that longevity, essentially. Yeah. Not just like preparing their bodies, but also uh, making them understand like why this is important for them, you know, and are they progressing? Are they kind of, you know, moving towards where they want to go? Mm. Yeah, I was talking to somebody a couple of months ago around their kind of their onboarding process and they did a certain number of sessions and they were looking at how to kind of sell them into the next membership option and and I, re- I, I kind of asked the question well what's what's the right thing for them you know if they're not ready what's the what's the right thing you know forget you have a business for a second like are they ready for the class the group or is the right thing something else some one-to-one or some private work or something like that and it sounds like what you were saying is you're Got, you've got this posture where you're just like based on the education where you're there's a real sense of care that I pick up for the people that you work with and it's like first and foremost before any there's no talk of money there's no talk of anything else um, is that landing correctly is that yeah absolutely you know so I guess just to riff on a little bit of that that process well that that you know, how we bring somebody on uh, that particular process, you know, people call it onboarding or on-ramping or whatever, you know, we have a name for it, which is the foundation program, which is a four-week journey, essentially. But full transparency, what it basically is, is actually just a four-week interview process. Yeah. Right. And what it consists of is four one-on-ones across four weeks and access to what we call our foundation program, uh, sorry, foundation classes, and you know, get damaged that mobility class. So those one-on-ones are integral. They're like non-negotiable because that is an opportunity for us to get to know each other, mm. you know, get that connection happening, mm. get to, I guess, assess their bodies in terms of how they move, but more importantly, teach them to assess their own bodies. Mm. You know, in it, we get to teach uh, our terminologies, our language that we have here, you know, um, as well as, some of our key principles that we move, you know, use across modalities, different modalities, as well as our key fundamental movements. Mm-hmm. So it's basically kind of getting people uh, or showing people, you know, why we do things the way we do, mm-hmm. and obviously exposing them to the what. The Tri Foundation classes and Get Ben classes, um, they're open to you know all our tribes. You know, I mean, whether you are a six-month-old or a two-year-old, yeah. right? But these newbies have to come to those not just because it's called foundation but because it's a great way to immerse themselves into our culture into our tribe yeah right where there, there is this um as you would call it this posture of care not just from the coaches coaching the classes yeah but also your fellow tribe star yeah you know yeah. for us that education piece and that one-on-one we get to really see how that person has taken that information on because what we actually do in our classes is make them responsible for another human being, mm-hmm. right? So in it, hey, are you just regurgitating information? You know, hey, I'm straight, da, 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 that sort of stuff. Or can you actually see if there's anything happening? Are you willing to speak up? Mm. You know, these yeah, little yeah, interpersonal yeah. skills kind of thing. Yeah. And again, you know, it's not easy. You know what it's like, you know, kind of when, you know, somebody comes new to the space and they're not quite sure what's happening or whatever kind of stuff. And suddenly, you know, someone's saying, hey, you're in charge of this person. Mm. But we like that little positive, you know, almost pressure, essentially. Mm. It kind of reinforces what have you been learning? Yeah. 
I want to talk about that more in depth. Uh, the first bit though I want to touch on because I think it's relevant for people who are possibly a little earlier in the journey is when I, I remember hanging out with you outdoors at Balmoral and you had just signed the lease, I think. Mm. Yeah, we were looking at the place. You were looking at the yeah. place where we're sitting in now, if, yeah. you, if you're watching this. But uh, talk about just, you know, one, two minutes on that move. Like, you know, what happened there? We like, oh, we need a space. Did it just present itself? Like, why the switch? Mm. So I knew we needed to transition. Yeah. You know, we were ready. So basically, uh, just a quick background, I guess. So, you know, at this point, we've been in Australia for probably a good uh, 18 months or so. And this is all outdoors, you know. Um, and we had, um, you know, heaps of one-on-one -on -one clients that I was, you know, kind of coaching. Um, and we were getting to a point where these clients of mine who had been working for some time, they didn't need babysitting anymore. Mm. You know, so I needed an avenue to bring them together where they still needed to do the work that's relevant to them, personal work, so personal projects, you know. There's no need for me to go, okay, this is what we're doing and everybody's doing it kind of stuff. That's not how, you know, um, personalization works basically, right? Um, but at the same time, um, they, you know, I didn't need to be like, okay, cool, I'm just going to be focused on you because a big part of education is, you know, giving them the ownership essentially. So. I knew we were ready to uh, move into a, a place mm -hmm. and you know it's a big shift because at the time you know we were going from outdoors we were looking somewhere indoors so suddenly massive overheads plus most importantly it was a realm that I had never been into not in terms of owning brick and mortar but also from a business model perspective mm. you know I was going to be in charge of one person at a time there's only a number of people mm -hmm. So it was a conscious decision that we made, myself and my partner Sarah, you know, she's a big part of this business. Oh, yeah. She is actually the, the real leader in this business. Um, and um, the decision we made was, hey, we need somewhere halfway. So we need to kind of get in somewhere four walls and just kind of trial, will this work? Because a big part of me uh, had this massive right. resistance. I remember this. You and that's what I actually can kind of like first go in touch with you. Yeah. Right. And I remember the, the comments. I remember that being in the car, pulling you up, uh, and, and saying to you, "Hey, so I've made this switch. I'm, I'm bringing people together, and there is so much that I want to share and teach, um, and I think would be of high value." And the problem that I had, the, the resistance that I had at the time was, "Hey, I don't have enough time to share all this." Mm. And to which you said something magical. I'll never forget that, which was like, "Less is more." Like, do they actually need all this stuff at the same time? Mm. And that was the, the eureka moment for me. Because in one-on-one -on -one environments, you know, we don't try to do everything under the sun. You know, we have this like, okay, cool, how are we learning, how are we building, how are we adapting? Hey, how's the energy today? Because <laughs> it's not the same as last week mm. or yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like when you go to this global, like the, the big week suddenly, it becomes like, okay, cool, what's the next 12 week? And like everything, everybody needs to cram in and fit into this. This is the status quo now because this is how the things should flow. And I was like, fuck, no, that's not what I want to be. Yeah. Right. So I guess kind of like uh, that was a big thing. And I wanted to say that into the four walls and to actually see like, will this work? 
so that was the transition we made before coming into this space. We, you know, kind of um, had uh, hired PCYC where I was working out, and that's where I started to kind of tinker around with the squad. You know, this idea of four and one, basically, which is like the PT side of things, which is still the main way it really trains here, which is the personalized work. Mm-hmm. So four people in a space working on four different projects, you know, individual projects. And then this notion of tribe, which is the classes, you know, this is how we program for globally. So when I say globally, like, you know, for all our tribes. But again, not everybody's allowed to come to everything. Yeah. It's invitations. So you have this kind of, you know, environment in the one-on-one where they get to learn at their own pace, receive information, push and whatnot. And then they get this second offering, which is like, hey, uh, you're doing really well here. How about we come and amplify that or elevate that by doing this a little bit more on this side here? You know, and it's, you know, hey, actually, we're running this project in this particular class. It would be perfect for you. Mm. So we start to kind of like start to tinker things and start to evolve into this, you know, this model essentially, which frankly, you know, I hadn't ever seen it before. I'd never heard about it. Um, and um, yeah, that's the right word. We started to evolve, you know, as soon as we kind of went to PCYC. And the plan was to be there for, I believe, like, you know, nine months or so and whatnot. And within probably two and a half months, three months, we're like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> we got this, mm-hmm. you know, we actually need our own space to be able to, because being in that space was hindering our growth yeah, now. Yeah, I remember sensing that. You'd be like, posts go up, hey, we're here tonight, and then people would yeah. come over here. And, and that was a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a lot of energy outlay. Um, I have no regrets and, and whatnot. I think about coming back to the, one of the conversations we had earlier on kind of stuff, that was, that particular uh, year and a half was probably the hardest. Yeah. You know, moving around, you know, car was my gym, moving around from space to space, yeah. and whatnot kind of stuff. Um, but again, so much positive out of it. Yeah. Because it meant I had to refine everything. That was the, the hard groundwork, the grit that needed to go into what has made AIM happen yeah. today. Yeah. I think one thing that's worth acknowledging here that I'm picking up, that you show every day of the week. A lot of people maybe sense it but may not really see what it really is and you mentioned hard work there but for instance you just spoke about how you would invite someone to the next level that move in itself that differentiation of doing that is way harder than most people are willing to go in a physical training space normally the model is well what do i do i'm doing one-on-one or i'm doing group i'm doing great group Great, my work is in programming and community and I'm going to do events, da 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 and a Christmas party. And if it's one-on-one, I've got to fill my client books and then maybe I move to semi-private. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing relentlessly is getting, is putting more work in than probably anyone I've really seen in this space to make the, to do the best thing for the person. To do to to relentlessly educate them, yeah, but also like like that's that's a huge amount of work to watch each person, then specifically pull individuals out, bring them into a new environment, program for each of those, bring them together. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you you know maybe talk a little bit about that work ethic, that output? You said energy before. Um, because I know you personally, so I get to see it. Where does that come from? How do you back that up? Um, was that the case from the beginning or did you all of a sudden just go, look, right, I'm committed to doing 
what's right by me and it's going to take 10 times the amount of work or what anyone else is doing. Like, how, how has that come to be? Mm, I don't know. This is hard because to me, it, it, it's not really extra work. You know, kind of, uh, I don't see it. It's just something, oh, it is the only way. Mm. That's the way I perceive it. Um, it's like people talk about excellence. You know, they talk about growth. They talk about leveling up. But it's like you're constantly looking for tiny things. You know, I walk in today, the first thing we do is start talking about little strategies, you know, little things like, have you thought about this? And, if, and my brain goes, whoop, level up, all right? And then we're on that wavelength. Like, how do you do that? How does, you know, because I think that's, that's gold. How, how, do you, how do you imbibe that? Where does that come from? Uh. I, I literally don't know, you know, like everything that we do always, always has happened with the other person in mind, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Let's say within AIM and, you know, using the word tribe, there was a reason why we didn't call it community. <laughs> you know, and I had this big fight, you know, kind of in my head, you know, kind of community means, you know, we are a community for sure. Um, you know, we're tight, we look out for each other and so kind of thing, but community implies that everybody can come in. <laughs> Everybody can just join in, you know, show up, do their thing and leave. Tribe to me means something more. Here people are looking out for each other. Here people are not just here to take energy out, they're here to bring energy in. And even if somebody is 40% of the best self on that day, they give 100% of that 40%. You know what I mean? Kind of so, in that breath, for me, when I come into this space or when I think about this space, it, it's a responsibility for me, you know what I mean? Kind of to, uh, I don't see it as giving back, I guess. It's, to me, really, the way I see it, it's a little bit selfish probably, but, you know, how am I um, not adding value? I think, you know, everybody uses that word, I guess, but how am I, how am I giving back more, you know? Because essentially, uh, going down this path has meant I'm living the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a happy, healthy family, right? I have a business that I only dreamt of 10 years ago. You know, walk into that first private studio that I had my opportunity, and I was like, cool. By the age of 35, I want my own space. You know, I had it at 29, you know? Um, and I think it's the most important thing to have a tribe that is self-sufficient, you know, kind of um, is driven. Um, to not only grow themselves, but really caring about the person next to them as well. Mm. And I think all that happens by being aware, being self-aware, you know, of what needs to happen and also knowing what you want to happen at the same time. Then it's just a matter of like, okay, cool, do I have the tools and strategies? <laughs> do I have the environment? Mm -hmm. And do I, am I in a culture where I'm supported? Mm -hmm. You know, so within this container, we use strength and movement as a tool to improve the quality of life really outside these four walls. Yeah. There's something I want to pivot to. So I've told you this before a couple of years ago. I think I was still at workshop and I was like, I, I said it was paraphrased, but I said, I like what you're doing. I was like, what you're doing, I think is the best of what I've seen. And I'd seen one-on-one -on -one high end group we were running group which we were bringing as much personalization as we could but it wasn't it wasn't four to one it was different mm -hmm. uh, 
Jacob, who we both know in New Strength, will openly tell people that he thinks you're one of the best coaches, the best coach he knows. Oh, you can bring the energy. I know, because Jacob's a beast, but yeah. bring the energy. We were talking about it, this blend of the meticulousness, the care, but then also knowing that we're here for fun, knowing like it's not just being the serious mm -hmm. practitioner and it's not being the cowboy. It's like this thing that only you can create. Now, what I want to talk about though, is that the industry in a lot of these studios, we could talk about yoga, we could talk about um, whatever we want here, is looking at the quality of the coaching, like what we just spoke about, the quality of the craft, things like social media. And you're creating, I'm gonna use the word creating leaders through this education model. What I am feeling and what I'm getting at that I'm seeing is that most people in the industry are looking over here to the right and you're going left. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about um, the people in the tribe who are looking next to the people next to them, looking out for themselves. Mm -hmm. And let's go deeper on that piece because, and let's go direct, like whether that's specifics in terms of how you actually do that. Mm -hmm. um, because if anyone can take 1% of this and actually start to think about it, I think it's super powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, or general, maybe let's start general. Like, what does that what does that look like to you? Okay, so using tribe as an example, I guess, right? Creating leaders. Basically, what we're saying here, if I'm not wrong, is how do we create clients to be leaders? Is that right? So we say. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a few ways we can go on this. Talk to me about how. Expand on the fact that a person in your tribe is looking out for someone else. So let's keep it within the walls mm -hmm. for now. We're cool. training together. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Because most people have a certain perception of what that means to train in a group mm -hmm. or four to one or whatever. Mm -hmm. What does it look like here? How would we be interacting with each other if we're members cool. or we're tribes? And stuff? So basically like, you know, the way we bring everybody on, you know, it's the education piece, right? So first and foremost, you gotta know where you're at. You know, so the education piece starts with the I, you know, uh, teaching an individual our fundamentals, key principles, all this kind of jazz, and, and then they get to come to practice it through the tribe classes or in their squads and things like that. Now, when we put them into the normal uh, coaching environments where we pair people up, so we're looking for that engagement interaction. So and this is always happening? Always happening. We, we're always paired up. Correct. Okay. Most of the time. Yes. Most of the time, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So they're kind of like, what I mean by that is like, you know, let's say we cap our classes to 12 on one coaches. Yeah. And or 16 on two coaches. Yeah. But really, when you think about it, when we pair people up, it's what's really happening is like two on 12 and like three on 16. And let's say use a, a lift class as an example. There's 16 individuals in this particular space and we don't have that, many, you know, that much of a big space. It's organized chaos but the beautiful thing here is works why does it work because everybody knows what the context for individual is as well as when they get paired with somebody who has sim you know, a very similar intention and context then they can empower each other so let's go uh, 
you know, there could be a year old person, you know, kind of who could be working on more of the, the strength side of things, right, in a lift class. They could be paired with each other, the way we normally program things, you know, like let's say kind of counting tempo, all this kind of stuff. The other person's keeping that person accountable because that same responsibility falls on that person who's doing the work eventually. Right? So you're ramping up quality. You're not only ramping up education, but you're ramping up the number of eyes on each individual, the, the amount of feedback for each individual Correct. through educating every single person in the room to become more like a, not coach. more like a coach, but Correct. yeah. Okay. That is exactly it. You know, yeah. we train you know, our tribe to be coaches. Um, and when I say, I say coaches, not trainers. I don't mean just counting reps. You know what I mean? I don't mean just kind of like, just shout louder and then, you know, just encourage, you know, words of encouragement kind of thing. I'm talking negative feedback. Mm -hmm. And it comes from a place of love. You know, let's take um, uh, handstand as an example. Uh, dude, what are those fingers doing? I'm talking small details, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, hey, what's happening in the shoulders? But be able to actually speak up in a way that you're also providing a solution. So it's not just you know uh, raising the concerns or what's not happening, but also, hey, do you actually have the knowledge and uh, a way to articulate a solution for that person in front of you? Because that's what shows your understanding. Also, it's ownership on your part, not just for the quality of work that you're about to do, but also how you can uphold that quality for somebody else too. Mm. So like the thing that comes, well, I, I love it because what it means to me is for you, the role very quickly changes, well not changes, but double downs, doubles down on how can I help to educate and empower everyone because it's making my work easier, right? And, and it's a safer environment, better results, et cetera. My feeling is that if someone's listening and they're like, well, I run a yoga space or whatever, because you could do this in mm -hmm. any, you know, you could do this in any of these things. It's not the well-trodden path, mm -hmm. but you could. But my question is like, what do you say to someone like who, I think the feeling might come up like that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. That's super hard because I can't just hire a coach to run the class mm -hmm. and then walk away or I can't just have you know, 15 people in the room and just run the session. Um, firstly, like, let's just hit that belief real quick. Like, what would you say to them? What would you, you know, what would you offer? Because you've seen both sides. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've trained Look, in groups and all sorts. And we spoke about this before, right? Like, you know, is this for the person in front of you? Or is it just, you know, for you to be able to cruise by, basically? That's the way I perceive it. Raising standards, being a creator, a leader, it's not fun, it's not easy. Like you're constantly stepping into space that you clearly haven't been before mm -hmm. and you may not want to go, but that's what it takes. You have to lead yourself first or be in a position to do so. Do you believe in it? Are you able to articulate you know, uh, that belief? Are you just talking the talk? Are you walking the walk? And if you have that trust and attention in the people that you want to serve in front of you, they will follow you. Mm -hmm. When you 
in, in, in the APA program, there's this component group connection dynamics. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening effectively, one of the things is, as we shine a light on an individual, we elevate self-sufficiency. Uh, what I did today, like, good job, John, what you did was great. I'd stand a little taller, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a bullshit movement, it's a shining a light, right? If I do this and I create self-sufficiency, create self-leadership, there's this really cool spin-off where if I'm part of a crew or a posse and I walk down the street, I walk a little taller, I'm more inclined to wear the t-shirt, I'm more inclined to invite my friend Joe to come and join me the next time I train. Mm -hmm. Talk about, because you're now sitting here with the, have you still got a wait list? Correct. Yeah. You, you, you help, and you're 18 months into the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you're, you have a wait list on the business. You're now offering, um, uh, serving a new customer segment with the coaches specific work, which we may talk about in this episode, hopefully. Um, link, link this quality piece that you're talking about, the amount of effort you're putting in, this creating leaders concept into what you see around, let's say, retention, results, referrals, um, say whatever you want, however you want to spin it. Like, how does it transcend beyond the walls of the gym? What happens when you play this out? I think you said a really important word that's self-sufficient. You know, kind of then to be that, but then trying to elevate that in terms of, you know, raising the standards and the quality and things like that. Everything needs to start, obviously, from within. And we do, everything we do is for, as I keep saying, people in front of us. So our tribe is number one. Mm -hmm. And the tribe is, you know, I'm not just talking about clients, I'm talking about the coaches that are in, you know, our academy, basically. They're part of our tribe. Obviously our coaches who are leaders within the business as well, they're part of our tribe. Mm -hmm. People who are on the outs, you know, outskirts of our business in terms of, you know, people who are never within these four walls but contribute quite a lot, they're part of our tribe too. So we do, a lot of work to bring that piece together essentially, right? So let's say an example would be um, from a coach's program. These are leaders who have their own businesses who do this for a living, but they will train with our tribesters. That levels them up in a different way. It first of all elevates our tribesters. You know, our, our mothers of two, you know, who are in this space four times a week, five times a week, whatever it is, they're rubbing shoulders with coaches who do this for a living. Mm -hmm. But what's even cooler is they have the education, the understanding, the ownership to push the coaches next to them. Yeah, it's game That yeah. is yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, right? this is what I'm getting at. Like, I think, the, I was thinking about the drive down. I think the more, the more I consider what you're doing, the more you're zagging. Mm. and people still aren't fully comprehending what's going on? I'll tell you that when this really hit me uh, hard, like I always sort of, you know, you know you're aware of things in the background, but this was literally smacking my face. So, you know, uh, as you know, one of my main intentions for the year was to uh, put on this art of coaching event where we had, you know, 20 coaches. You know, we had people fly from Melbourne, mm -hmm. you know, come all over, it was amazing. And before we kind of knuckle down and, you know, kind of just 20 coaches in the space and, you know, do the work uh, set out, you know, during the day, uh, a small part of it or the start of the day actually started with them joining in our MOVE project with our tribe. The coaches joining in with the Correct. Yeah. Right. So, and, and this project that we had at the time was hand balancing. 
right? And you know, I'm not talking just throw your legs over and just you know, more strength work or whatnot. I'm talking small details. I'm talking um, hand balancing is cool, you know. And these coaches, some of them do know what hand balancing is, um, and may have done you know straight arm strength work and handstand type of work. Some coaches who don't have any idea around it, right? Because it's gymnastic, maybe not the uh, modality that they kind of work with and whatnot. These coaches were coached by our tribe for an hour and a half. And I remember leading up to this day the day before, I had a really bad sleep because my baby girl Kai just kept me up all night. She wasn't too well. And you know, I was like stressing out, got a big day ahead of me. Uh, so two things happened in the morning. When I just kind of opened the space up in terms of you know, that, that particular session, we set the intention and you know, we introduced the, the coaches to the tribe and tribe to coaches. Really, I didn't have to work for an hour and a half. I was just sitting back and just in awe of what was happening in front of me. You know, first of all, having 30 odd people in this space, we've never had that before. Mm. Especially, you know, nearly 20 individuals that have never been in this space before. To be led by our tribe. So that was like a, a, a huge moment for me, right? But this was the kicker in the face. At the end of the day, you know, kind of, uh, this is early coaches, you know, kind of, uh, we're sitting down and we kind of dinner, then dinner takeaways and whatnot kind of stuff, right? As you do. And probably six coaches, you know, in their own way, paraphrasing, basically said, you know, I'm in this business to uh, improve other people, mm-hmm. you know, to empower the people, to educate other people, um, basically to make people like what they were this morning. Mm-hmm. And that kept them happening. That was the thing. They were just blown away by how amazing. Uh, our tribe were not just in the form of like you know the normal personality and the friendliness and the connection and that sort of thing but how articulate they were and how uh, much attention they played or paid to the small details mm. things that other people just were not even aware of yeah you know the nuances of things yeah and then doing it in a certain way that they were really articulate in giving that message to that one person in that particular way. So it's not just a, uh, a same cue, let's say, said in the same way. Mm. They're saying it in five, four different ways, you know, I kind of like, but to a point where that person in front of them, that coach in front of them actually understands it. Yeah. And for them to have that breakthrough, not in the terms of the movement itself, but then actually the breakthrough in terms of like, oh shit, this is what education and empowerment means. Mm. Yeah, and then you you know you can only like like I know because I because I get to see it, which is really cool. But you can only imagine what that does for the confidence, self sufficiency, self leadership of the people in the tribe to see the value that they were able to create or the exchange with these coaches when they go home and hang out with their you know the mother of two you mentioned she goes home and hangs out with her husband like there's a there's a there's a shift there on a deeper human level as well she sees her other friends like um you know it's a it's a completely different feeling you know that elevation i suppose uh a big part of that the elevation comes from exposure yeah and the word exposure i want to use in two ways you know a good way and a confronting way which is also a good way, right? And um, for coaches, it was exposure to not just more of the what, but to be in a space to see like the, the, the how and you know what that end result may look like. Mm. You know, for them a path like, oh, this is actually possible. 
you know what I mean? Um, and as you mentioned, like for our tribe to kind of like go, oh, actually, I do know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can, I can actually help somebody new in order to kind of, I can empower somebody new. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different animal altogether. Yeah. Um, and, you know, coming back to one of your other questions, I guess, earlier on, like, this is what we're about. Yeah. You know, so you talk about, you know, kind of like that evolution and, and um, you know, uh, how do we keep being at the, the outer fringes of our capacity? How do we keep growing? How do we keep, you know, kind of evolving essentially? It's by um, pushing yourself, you know, mm. like it could have been disastrous mm. to have 20 coaches in here and then given our tribe the responsibility. Yeah. What's, what's changed for you? Because I sense that there's, uh, this, this may have been like, well, the first thing I want to touch on before I go there is I think it's important to understand that you can't go, you can't take people necessarily where you haven't gone. And what we're talking about here is not something that's just super easy. The first thing that comes to mind is feedback, giving and receiving feedback. If you haven't gone through that fireplace, sometimes yourself, it's impossible to, to take someone with empathy, right? Correct. Feedback comes to mind, um, you know, empathy, connection, listening, understanding, communication, uh, for you to be able to bring these to the tribe and for them to also pick up those skill sets, which is really what's happening, uh, is not an overnight thing. So I can imagine some of the coaches coming through go walk away, shit, I'm gonna execute on this. But it's not something that you can just flip the switch um, talk a little bit about that. Like, what what would you say to someone if they're like, "Whoa, I really like what I'm seeing here," but maybe they can't even put their finger on what's what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that, I guess, quickly, and then there's some other stuff I want to go into as well. <laughs> cool. So, I guess, kind of um, as you mentioned, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, and I would always say, start with the person in front of you again, right? So we're talking about this culture and environment basically, right? So an example would be, everybody here has to journal. (laughs) It was definitely not cool when we first started it and probably still isn't cool for most people. But I'll go as far as saying, for 80% of our tribe, this is probably the only time they put pen to paper. This is not just a form of like, you know, carrying your reps and sets, because as a business, it would make far more sense and attractive to have a software. Mm -hmm. Cool, this is what I did, I can get a graph, an XYZ kind of thing. But to physically take the time to be in this space at the end, to take a little bit of ownership of what the work that you've done, to connect with your peers who've done similar work or you know, kind of a form of work, to also be able to reflect on the work they've just done. Mm-hmm. What are some of the struggles? What were some of the wins? What are key focuses moving on? Like these little things, that's what the gold mine is. And standing outside, if that's what we want to happen, and you know, it's not easy as to saying, hey, cool, you're gonna journal and it's gonna happen. You need to have the patience, mm. right? And you need to be consistent with this. It's a practice. Um, so to me, that's what it comes down to essentially, you know, to make these little shifts and changes happen, to evolve, you can't do something super intense in a short space of time. Mm. You need to allow that space and time. 
you need to elongate that. Think about, you know, we talk about that long game. You know, if something that you want to do tomorrow, you should have started it yesterday. Mm. You know, kind of then for us, it's like, okay, well, what's the little thing that we can do today? Mm. You know, how does it sit? Is it going, okay, cool, can we create a bigger conversation around this? Or can we actually, you know, how can we reflect on this? Or, you know, what's some of the other feedbacks is actually working? Is it, you know, saying what it's going to do in the tin? Mm. You know what I mean? Because, um, you know, there are inspirations all around us. And let's say, you know, people come into this space and they go like, oh, that's something amazing. Uh, I want to implement this right away. Cool. There may be situations where that's appropriate. But then what they probably haven't seen is the hard work and the hard work. And I wanted to say what keeps coming in my head, I didn't mean to interrupt, the soft skills, mm-hmm. the hard work, the soft skills. Like I go and copy paste, but if I haven't worked to develop the soft skills, the group of people come in a different, in a different space down the road, the whole thing starts to not mesh. And if I can't see that, if I can't ask those questions, see what's going on, have the empathy, uh, I end up basically just throwing the model out. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll, I'll literally go as far as saying like, that is pretty much the only thing that probably makes us remarkable, the soft skills. Uh, the way uh, or our focus, you know, kind of in that connection piece. And, and I guess teaching people, you know, kind of to uh, be more aware and to speak up, to um, be comfortable and confident in, you know, in terms of giving feedback, you know, kind of, and also receiving feedback. Like all the work that we do in APA essentially, right? The, so again, like for people obviously who don't know, like obviously I'm part of APA and like all this year, the work that I put in uh, for myself, for personal reasons, you know, kind of, it's basically what's been echoed in my work, which is Aim Tribe. Mm. Right, and it's again, there's no, and that's really, really important to distinguish, right? The work that I had to do for APA to grow myself is what I'm also sharing. You know, and we all learn best by doing, right? Yeah. So let's say we're talking about this feedback, we're talking about energy generation, like all these modules that we've done, you know, this is not just to kind of like just say, you know, APA is great, which it is, but to me, rather than just sitting on this to kind of go like, cool, well, you know, how am I using it, X, Y, Z, you know, to me, I learn best by doing. Mm-hmm. For me, like, as, you know, like I ask, you know, our tribes is to kind of show, cool, show me what you understand by sharing, by educating somebody else, by being responsible with somebody else. So what I've done this year is learn and go, cool, how can I use this in the environment that I have right now? Mm-hmm. Or how can I use this in the situation? Or how can I raise or create an environment where I can use this as a tool? Yeah. Right? And that's what we're talking about, you know, is the, the hard thing. And but that doesn't happen all at once. No, but it also, I just want to acknowledge that it also comes back to two things. One, you're not afraid of hard work. So as in, for most people to even do the things, right, themselves, that's a big enough ask. But then you're going next level and looking to integrate it into the next thing that you like into serving. But then two is, um, it's coming back to this almost extreme desire to do the best by the people who you're serving, to make it better. You could have stopped. Mm-hmm eight months ago and just continued and then gone, ah, we need more leads or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you're not stopping. In fact, it feels like you're only just really starting. Correct. I think we are too, you know, like just so again, it's not to blow my own trumpet kind of thing, but we, (laughs) it's not again, just talking, we walk the walk in terms of, we have a cap on a membership. 
this is why we have a wait list. We've said no to people, you know, kind of because we're, you know, it's clear we're not aligned essentially. And we're not, you know, we don't want people to be here if they don't want to be here. You know what I mean? So we know who we want to work with. And the people we want to work with, it's not depending on what their capacity or ability is, it's in their willingness to come forward and do the work, to step into um, an environment, mm. contribute from a place of love, and show up and lean in and do the work too. Mm. You know, and our um, responsibility or our um, stand or our whole ethos is around, you know, cool, we are focused on the people in front of us. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, outside any whatever kind of thing. This is why, again, coming back to, and we call it a tribe. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't do drop-ins. You know, there is no uh, trials, all this kind of stuff. You know, if that four-week process yeah. that I spoke about, like if, if you're not ready, yeah. we'll say to you, and I say this by the first chat, you know, like, if that happens, from full transparency, I'll tell you. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's nothing that, you know, there is nothing more uncomfortable than you being in a space where you don't belong. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening, he's not lying. I think if I tried to do a drop-in, you would say no. I know you've said no to, like, Damo or someone. You would, they would just Sean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm yeah, talking yeah. like, it's high level. Like, if you're listening, high level people who have spent six to nine months in the APA program text back, like, hey, can I, can I come in and train? No. <laughs> and you know, I'm like, you know, but this, this, the more that can join my session. You know, like, and you can drop in, you know, when I'm, but as far as like committing to our tribe, the classes, and whatnot kind of thing, it's that responsibility. Totally. And you know? I think, you know, the cool thing is people know, people know that it's authentic. They know what's going on and they almost, I think that happens and it's almost so different to what's going on in the industry that they're like, wow, I just want to come in more. I want to find out more. Like what, ha- what just happened there, you know? Mm. You know, and again, it isn't to be like an asshole about it, whatever totally. kind of stuff, right? It's literally, as I said, you know, we are thinking with the person in front of us, you know, kind of, you know, we see as a, as a great, you know, care and I guess responsibility that, you know, we do the right thing by a tribe, you know, kind of, um, and trying to have somebody new in a space purely in terms of like, uh, not knowing the terminologies, you know, kind of, and not knowing how we do things, you know, um, it just doesn't sit well, you know what I mean? Because our energy will, you know, that would mean our energy will have to be on that person. Because that's, again, if somebody's in this space, we're gonna be responsible for the person. Mm. But then you're in this space, you're attracting, you know, you are demanding all that energy, but you already don't belong here. That's not really fair to people who do belong here and who are here, you know what I mean, for long term. Um, so that's probably the main reason, you know, kind of obviously we don't do drop-ins and things like that. Yeah, um, so just to, to, to read, because I'm conscious of time, just to recap on this, I think it's really cool to note that if you're building something, you're doing something, it can feel like you have to discount. It can feel like you like everyone, right? Oh, we're gonna do a summer discount, we're gonna do a summer thing. And, and effectively, Vic, the thing that you've created uh, and the, the example that you lead is you can choose the other way. You can choose to work harder, to make your craft better, to be a better technician, to do the work to not discount but to increase prices to make the whole thing elevated and better and you can thrive and i think that's in an industry that's got a lot of people and a lot of and a lot of um, race to the bottom mentality um i think that's just super powerful for people to hear and to to see you know what i mean and you know it's it's not easy 
you know, that's the, that's the first thing. Um, but you have to be true to yourself, yeah. you know, and to be true to, to yourself, you have to do the groundwork. You have to know who you are, what is it that you want, and then find out what is it that you need in order to get what you want, you know. Um, and it's not just a case of like, when I say do the hard work, it's not just like the mentality, the, you know, people talk about mental strength to kind of push through and that sort of thing and big mode. I'm talking about leaning into things that are totally alien to you, you know, and like, to me, this all comes down to the soft skills. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you can be the most knowledgeable person in the whole wide world, great. Or you can be Mr. Personality. You know, it's a sweet blend between the both in terms of like giving the information, right? But then eventually when we talk about longevity, it's about how well can you do both of those with the soft skill you know, background. So meaning, you know, do you see the person in front of you clearly? Mm. You know what I mean? How do you connect with that person? How do you communicate with that person? Now, how do you amplify that in different scenarios with another person who may be completely different type? Does that make sense? Right, and it's yeah. that, you know, it takes a certain level of awareness to then connect with those individuals and also to then bring those individuals together collectively. Mm. Hey, That's where the hard work is. That's where all the skills are required, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Not just awareness of the other, but presence in yourself first. Because mm. if you're not in the room, you cannot be present with them and pick up that shift, that energy. And it's an ever-evolving process too. Mm. You know, the cool thing is when you do this for long enough, what happens is you're not in this alone. What I mean by that is, you know, we talk about that tribe again. It's not just me asking and finding, you know, and prodding or trying to generate energy for everybody else. It's a living organism in that. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you, you know, somebody walks in and two, three other people already kind of picked that vibe up. Yeah. So they will do whatever's in their power to kind of elevate that person. Yeah. That's a really cool thing because they're aware of the situation and then they're present enough to kind of then contribute in their own way. Yeah. Uh, for time, I think we'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to, we're going to do another one or two, but is there anything else that you want to touch on? I think in the next ones, I want to talk about developing coaches. I want to talk more about the leadership piece. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about family balance, boundaries, there's so much more. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else that you think would be um, worthwhile to bring into today? Mm, I think just the, uh, nothing that comes to mind, I guess, um, but on the back of like what we've been speaking about um, in terms of that education piece and you know, kind of connection piece and that sort of stuff, uh, self-awareness piece. Um, I think it's a, it's a massive thing that you know everybody should be doing you know kind of and when I come to think about it you know the first thing that we did you know and as you quite rightly labeled it like an energy generation piece kind of thing basically what we're speaking about is that Mm. you know are you in touch with yourself you know what are you doing to fill your cup up but also then how you using the energy that you have the valuable energy you have and how you spending are you spending it wisely you know in this case you know are you clear of the people that you want to serve and how are you serving that how are you you know, and again, you know, people talk about I don't have enough time or uh, I can't do that or you know that sort of thing. It's like that's bullshit, right? You know what I mean? Kind of like oh, you know, and it's like so. What I'm getting to here is like um, that big awareness piece is definitely number one. But I feel like and I wanted to leave this here. Like I've, I've been saying this for a couple of years. I feel like a lot of people are fucking aware these days. A lot of people they know what to do. Because they have a you know access to abundance of information, mm. you know, 
they also deep inside know what they want to do, but as well as they, what they need to be doing. But we do best by learning and taking that first step is the hardest thing. Mm. And I, you know, I'll use myself as an example here, like even doing this podcast. Like how many times did I say no? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't getting away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. taken months to get to this position, but I'm like, okay, actually, what do I have to fear? Yeah. Just lean into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, two things I want to end on then. One is I think the stuff you've talked about transcends um, strength or movement, whatever you want to call it. I think if you're running a cafe and you've got staff, community, yoga studio, whatever it is, uh, this this work around the soft skills, the connection, elevating leaders, it's, you know, you could call it culture, whatever you want, it's super powerful. Um, the other thing is you mentioned a lot of people are aware, you know, there's this huge, uh, we're very good at language now. We love language. We can talk and talk about the things with this high level intellectual stuff. And I think the, the, the beautiful thing with when we see you work, it's like the level of action is almost, it's like the language is, you, it's the language catching up with the action. It's not the other way. It's like you're doing things when you don't, you're doing things you don't even know what it's called yet. You're just kind of like, there's intent, yeah. but it's not like, okay, here's a concept. Let's consider this for the next 18 months. Mm -hmm. And there's something we want to do. It's like, cool. I, I just did it. I'm going to bring this in. Let's try it out. How can we learn? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's a really nice way of looking at it actually. Yeah. That's exactly it. So we language, actually, language can be a sticky trap, mm -hmm. you know, it's yes. Cause basically what we do is we actually put ourselves out there first, mm -hmm. you know, and then cool. It's up to, create that language as you said and, and start to kind of pick up the pieces and, and whatnot kind of stuff as we go along mm. um, not a cowboy style but you know just kind of like so rather than kind of sitting back and waiting uh, or just planning or whatever it's actually like the other way around yeah you know? yeah um, it's almost a kind of like forcing ourselves to get out of our own way well and I think the fact that you have to say not in a cowboy style it's really interesting because for a lot of people, that's how it could be perceived. And the fact that that can be perceived in that way is the problem. Mm -hmm. Because this is actually the way that you grow. Mm -hmm. It's just if you're a couch sitter for too long, this looks radical. Mm -hmm. This looks like a cowboy. But really what we've got is kind of the sweet spot. And then there's the, the cowboy over there. But I think that's just interesting. Um, so I guess, I guess my touch point on that is the sweet spot really from what we're seeing with you know people like yourself and businesses like yourself is like a bias to action and it feels heavy on action it's like whoa okay this is a lot's going on um and it's gonna feel a little cowboy for a lot of people who are used to the learning culture to the you know the consumption culture that kind of thing correct and like it feels it feels fast you know? it, it is you know kind of um and it's confronting yeah it's you know it, and the worst part is, you know, when things do go your way, it's even more confronting. Yeah, <laughs> it accelerates. That's it, because yeah. that, that, that ball just gets bigger, yeah. you know what I mean? And then um, you don't know how or when to take the, the pedal off, essentially. Yeah. Because you feel like, okay, you know, like I need to continue with this. And that's a whole different thing altogether. Um, I really like the way, you know, just quite briefly, when we had a chat at the start of this uh, talk around um, high quality. You know what I mean? There's different 
um, uh, context for that high quality. Mm. You know what I mean? Kind of like so it wasn't as if just creating high quality things, but it's actually doing high quality things and being able to do it well, and also then well with the people that you want to do it with, and that other kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, that's all in the realm, mm. um, but they all have a doing part in it. Yeah. You know, not just the kind of like, okay, uh, I need to sit back and you need to absorb this and then I'm, and I'm going to think about it and I'm going to plan accordingly. Yeah, you and then it gets lost. Yeah, you just, yeah, exactly right. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not good. Let's go into that next time because I think we can go for a while. Thank you so much. So there, everyone, if you're listening, you have it. Um, first deep dive into, into um, Vic's world. We're here at AIM Academy. And if you enjoyed the podcast send it to someone you know send it to a friend that's the best thing you can do for me and uh subscribe and we'll definitely have vic on in another couple of weeks and then we're going to do a podcast together uh on site at location when we run the apa end of year event which is in three short weeks so thank you for listening thanks vic appreciate your time thank you for coming down yeah cool sweet done And that's it for today's episode of the Access Potential Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, the most helpful things that you can do are send it along to a friend or jump on and subscribe. As I mentioned, if you have any specific questions you'd like Vic and myself to get stuck into, send them along, john at johntmarsh.com. We're going to be catching up again in a week at the Access Potential Academy end of year retreat that's happening on the Sunshine Coast. And so we'll get stuck into these questions when we do the next deep dive conversation. On that note, Access Potential Academy, APA, this is a six month peer-to-peer group for business owners, coaches, practitioners who are doing great work, who want to level up and also want to create great relationships as well. This kicks off next year in 2020. There's still some spots available. If you're interested in finding out more, send me an email on that as well. I'd love to hear what you're up to, what you're thinking about creating or the work that you are doing. That's it for today. I'll see you on the next one.